What it do, golf fans? Welcome back to the Turn Darks Golf Podcast. This is Liam. Alongside me is Jack. Jack, we had a great week in golf. Matthew Pavan coming out with the winner at the Amex. Ooh, a little sneaky bet that you liked. Matthew Pavan, uh, according to the broadcast, the first Frenchman to win on tour. Technically, it's arguable. It's a huge debate in the golf community if you're on any sub threads or anything like that. Um, there was a winner, I believe. I can't remember. I had this written down and I smudged it with my finger because I do notes on a whiteboard. There was a French winner in 1917 or 1913, but the tour was not established as the official PGA Tour back then to some debate. There are, it's a, actually a really big debate on what goes on. But any rate, congratulations to Matthew Pavon for being a dog on the PGA, DP World Tour, Sunshine Tour, and Korean Tour all in the last couple of years here. He's been, if you watch any tour but the PGA Tour, you know who Pavan is because he's a dog and always performs well. But he's earned his money on the PGA Tour in the last couple of starts here, let me tell you. Yeah, not, now he's now he's big winner. Um, he's he's going to be all set on tour for a little while. Uh, as far as tournaments go, the, I, I feel like the Amex is a funky tournament to win as your first tournament. Like the way the way Tor, uh, Tory really lays out it, I feel like it wouldn't always be great for a, for a rookie. But I mean, hey, Matthew Pavon had no problems on on the South Course getting those birdies across and worked out quite well for him. Uh, another couple popular international guys also at the top of the leaderboard. You had Steven Yeager up there as well. He was really you know, cruising along most of those first few days. Caught a hairball on his last uh, half of Sunday choking. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had a, he had a, he had a tough second, you know, second half of the day on Sunday. But all things considered, it, uh, you know, worked out pretty well if you had him in your lineup. Was was there anybody particular for you that, that stood out in terms of one way or another at the MX this past week? What? I do want to continue on my fun fact where if you did the dollar and you rolled it over each week, if you put all of that on Matthew Pavan, you'd now be up $6,481,096,820 if you rolled all that over starting from $1. Um, unfathomable to think of. Um, but a couple notes to go over. Um, obviously, I just talked about Pavan. Nikolai Hoyard, man, he he is mm. a few steps away from getting you know a trophy of his own on the PGA Tour. He had three bogeys on, which, if you don't know, PGA Tour did finish on Saturday this week. So if we talk about Saturday. It is the Sunday. Three bogeys, including a par five bogey. And if you know one stat about Torrey Pines, par fives are where you get your money, and that's how you win and you gain strokes in the field. So bogey down the stretch there was not good at all. That really cost him, in my opinion, the tournament. Um, and if you watched him, he just was a little sketchy throughout that last 18 holes on Saturday. But, I mean, solo second 12 under at Torrey Pines is no bad eye to shun at. Um, I thought the criticism online of the leaderboard was really, really bad. I think a lot of people on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever the case might be, was just a really big group of casual watchers that are watching for the Xander Shoffley and Patrick Kelly, which I, I completely yeah. understand. It's not a diss. But if you're talking about... Um, you know, Nikolai Hoyard, you had Jake Knapp, who has arguably the smoothest, powerful swing in the world. You got, I mean, you had Tony Fino, Xander Shoffley, Ludwig Auberg, all in the top 10 still. But I think that a lot of casual people on Sunday, when they finally get an hour to sit down, they want to see a guy they know. I get that. Uh, but I just feel like the criticism has been really unfair. 
I made a note that this has literally been the least predictable PGA Tour season in recent memory. It, it feels that way from all standards. Yeah, I kind of sit there in my head and I'm like, man, I'm I'm losing out on a few things here and there. And like this this season has just kind of been tough for me. And then when you start to kind of dig into it a little farther, you're like, you're like, this season's been tough for a lot of people as far as best Absolutely. go. Because unless you're picking hundred to one winners, you know, you're not you're you're just not succeeding on too many levels. Um, so I guess that this week then, based on all the statistics, we're looking at a Tom Hoagie winner, maybe a Nat- Matthew Neeswith winner, uh, maybe a Taylor Montgomery winner, although I don't know if he's fully 100 to 1. He might be closer to 80 to 1. Uh, but we're looking somewhere in that realm if we're going to continue to follow the trend. So Yeah, the trend is here. I like it. I'm, don't let me, get, let me just preface this statement again. I would rather... See a Xander Shoffley or a Scotty Scheffler capture a trophy. I understand the premise of that. But in terms of a gambling and betting podcast standpoint, I do enjoy in some facet seeing a Matthew Pavon winner and then seeing him at 7,100 on DraftKings where there's an opportunity. So I get both sides of it. Um, it's it's a topic for debate. Um, the beauty of golf. Um, that's just the nature of it. Um, I also think that couple big names, like I mentioned, Tony Finau, yep. he, if he can clean up his putt and he'll get a couple more wins on the year. There was a post on Twitter that I saw that I didn't even catch it real time. He switched putter grips in the middle of the tournament because he was putting so poorly. <laughs> so think about that is crazy. And then he finished what T nine T six. Yeah. Six. He, he finished sixth. Yeah. T- Tony played quite well. That's crazy. I know usually Tony comes right in the form right around like the Mexico Open at Vedanta because it's usually yeah, like him at Detroit. Yeah, it's it's usually usually in Mexico. It's him and in a lot of I'm going to try and say this properly, like more middle tier PGA tour professionals. A lot of the top tier professionals tend not to show up in Mexico. I, I do think if there's any week where we are going to see a big name win as opposed to one of these 100-to-1 winners, it will probably be an elevated event, um, especially one that has no cut. This is the kind of event that I think would definitely uh, definitely be there to buck the trend, if any of them. So I yeah. think this is definitely an interesting one for sure. Um, a couple notes here on just some guys that stood out to me as far as DraftKings go. Morikawa missing the cut last week. That was a tough one. Um, Sungjae Im missing the cut. That was a tough one. And then Jason Day also missing the cut. Also a tough one. He just didn't look like he had it for whatever reason. Um, I don't know why. I don't know how. But I'm I'm not against going back to Jason Day specifically this week if you're, you know, feeling like rolling the dice again. Um, I don't think it's an awful option. Uh, do you want to dig into FanDuel and DraftKings, or do you or do you have anything else you want to discuss first? Yeah, I had a couple more people. Um, Will Zalatoris, back-to-back yeah. really good finishes, built on momentum. Last week, not um, Farmers, but last week was a little bit um, more shocking of a high finish because of the, the lower scoring. Um, but seeing Xander, or not Zalatoris, rather, um, back-to-back finishes is really good. And then Xander Shoffley proved, once again, I'll continue to say it, most consistent player on tour. But Sunday, man, he looked flustered. It looked like he was struggling to build on the momentum. T9 is something to not shy away from, and losing by four shots is not any consolation prize in itself. But he just looked like he couldn't build 
any momentum. And I think if he got one or two birdies in a row in the stretch, he could have put something together. But he's just all over the place. And then two bogeys in his final three holes really killed it for him. Yeah, there was a there was a few of those guys that were really kind of running up the leaderboards on Sunday. Um, and it looked like Xander had a chance to do it, and especially, again, home t- hometown style, you know, chase up the leaderboard of a pretty unknown guy to a lot of golf casuals and Matthew Pavon. It would have made for a great story. Um, but, of course, it just didn't end up happening because Xander wanted to fall apart down the stretch. It, it, it happens, unfortunately. Um, again, Xander is due to probably win here in the next couple of months. I'm sure he will end up pulling out the win eventually. It's less of a question of if and more a question of when, as far as Xander goes. Yeah, exactly so. And then to your comment about talking about some DraftKings and FanDuel DFS lineups, for me, I had a great week. I had Pavon in both lineups, so that obviously go. did me really well. DraftKings was awesome for me. Um, we did have Xander at the top, T9. We had Sepp Straka missing the cut, which was just, we'll get into how shocking that was in a little bit. Um, Nikolai Hoyard second. We had Luke List, who finished inside the top 50, I know. Rio Hisasune, who hit his 40 number. Um, and then Pavan with the win at 7,100. Man, I got three guys in the top 10, including a dub. So placement points were off the rocker, even though we had a guy miss the cut. Um, so we took home money in both draft, or excuse me, DFS, or goodness gracious, single entry and double ups. There you go. Yeah, you had, a, you had a good week. Again, getting first and second in your lineup, so you can uh, you can have just about anything else as far as finishes go. But if you're getting top two, you're probably winning some good money. Um, as far as mine went, I I think I I was the last winner in double ups, and I didn't win in single entries, so I just about broke even. Um, again, more I had more cow both lineups. That was tough because of the miscut. I had Sung Jam and Fanduel. That was tough. Um, Again, my saving grace was really Tony Finau, who finished T6. Outside of him, I basically had everybody else finish right around that T43 mark. Uh, Minwoo Lee, Luke List, Sam Stevens, Toasty, or Alejandro Toasty, Austin Eckroat. Um, Jack commented halfway through last week, and he realized that um, initially at the start of last week, um, when I was doing research, I had Steven Yeager in my DraftKings lineup. And I proceeded to change it to Luke List. Um, turns out if I would have had it the other way around, I potentially would have had a chance to win a little more money. But again, what it could have should have as far as the betting scene goes. So I will I will take my beatings like a man. And my Luke List T50 looks much worse than Steven Yeager's, what, T3, third place, whichever one he was, I forget. Yeah, that's one of those things that hindsight's such a beautiful thing. In yeah. terms of betting, it's so easy to do that. I mean, you see people on Twitter all day. How could you bet Kevin Durant over points when he's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's the reality of it. Golf, it just takes one swing to kind of mess everything up. Beauty yeah. of it. That's why we love it. That's why we do it. Um, but, you know, there's going to be days where you're on the top of the green. There's going to be at the days where at the bottom of the red. Um, and if you follow our podcast, you know, Liam <laughs> has been on both sides of that spectrum. So, um, luckily, for the most part, at least this year, we've been on the green in the FanDuel. Um, scratched money on single entries. Did win double ups, which you just got to finish not. If you're in 100 person, you just got to finish 51st because FanDuel needs a little bit of money. Or 49th, rather. Xander obviously finished ninth again. We had Pavan, which was awesome. Rio, List, 
um, Straka. And then the only difference was instead of Nikolai, we had Minwoo Lee, who didn't do great. But thank God he made the cut and just got me four days of rounds because that was scary. Yeah, Min Minwoo was the one that definitely stood out to me, right? And I was I I don't know if anticipated a little more, but maybe just hoped for a little bit more upside on Minwoo. And as far as Fandalu goes for me, it wasn't very pretty. Uh Colin Markov miscut, Sung JM miscut, and then again, a lot of guys right around that T forty three mark. Um, I did not end up winning money on that. Uh what it could have should a week again on FanDuel. It uh it happens. So on to bets. Uh how'd your bets do this week, Jack? Scrape by. Basically, um, if you tailed everything, you won money, which, again, I'm a big believer. And if you can make a penny a profit or a million dollars a profit, it's still good either way. Profit's profit. Um, starting off, my favorite play lost. Substrat going to make the cut. I don't know how that's possible, but, you know, I guess that's life. Substrat, you either win or you're in 100th place, and that trend continues to hold true. <laughs> um uh, Xander Shoffley, top 20. That was a lock of the decade. That was great. Had another substraka bet that lost. Uh, Min Woolley, top 40. Uh, again, I don't know what the heck happened. Lululemon must make some too tight of clothing and he couldn't get it through. Um, Max Homa, top 20, was a winner. Sung JM, top 40, what I thought the odds of the decade that lost. Uh, Rio Hisasune, like I said, riding it until it loses, plus 150 on top 40. Um, if you follow Twitter, it was actually best odds were plus 165. So you profited a lot more there. Luke List being 53rd or better was awesome. And Hideki and Justin Rose with the cut at minus 180 piece, up 0.74 units on podcast picks with those odds at 26.97 units overall. And then if you followed on Twitter, you went up a cool 0.82 units. Uh, bringing us to 32.43 units up overall there. There you go. Yeah, the Hideki made cut and Justin Rose made cut. Those being 188 still still surprised the crap out of me. Well, but, if you follow it on Twitter, Rose made cut on some books was minus 132. Ooh. Matsuyama to make the cut was minus 154. There you go. Enough said. So, yeah, th- those are ones where when you got those in, I was like, ooh, those are pretty good odds, all things considered, considering the names they are. Um, All right, getting into mine, uh, my bets this week were unfortunate. Um, I went one for four. I, I, I picked four guys that are extremely good golfers who, all things considered, weren't playing bad golf going into it. Uh, but my only winner was Tony Finau, top 30 at minus 120. Uh, Min Lee top 40. That was a loss. Sung JM is the top Korean. The guy looked awful. Turns out SH Kim was going to be one of the best golfers of the week. I gypped us. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, Sung Jae still beat KH Lee, but unfortunately SH Kim decided to, uh, to, to become one of the greatest golfers of all time last weekend and, and pull out, I think, what, like top 15, top 20? So Yeah, he played really well. He did play quite well. Um, and then Jason Day, 32nd or better. Again, guy just didn't have all of it last week, um, so that was a loss as well. Um, again, one for four, lost 2.17 units. So I'm now currently a positive 3.62 units. Um, I'm liking this less and less as I'm getting back towards zero. I liked it a lot more when I was like eight or nine units up. Um, this has been a couple of tough weeks in a row here. We uh, 
you you will see the adjustment made on my bets this week. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, again, we have a lot of new viewers, but at this time last year, you put a minus and then an additional one in front of that unit total. So any unit here that's positive, we're going to be happy about. And again, we've talked about this. It's such a weird start to the PGA Tour year. I mean, we're what, five or six tournaments? No, four tournaments in at least on the new year, not including, you know, like Zozo and whatnot. And even those we're not predicting. So, you know, it's just a weird year all around. Um, into wildcard picks, I did put two. I did Stewart Sink top 40 plus 200. He missed the cut, but it looked awful to start. I mean, he what, what, like five over through five holes and then came back a little bit and then obviously couldn't build momentum because that cut line was a little lower than I thought it was going to be. And then Alejandro Tosti, uh, top 40 at plus 280. He finished T43. Looked really good going into Saturday morning and then just didn't capitalize. Yeah, your, to- your toasty pick had a good chance to pull through, and unfortunately, he just kind of fell apart on you. Um, sa- same concept as mine. I had a Sam Stevens top 40 bet plus 200. Um, same thing, T43. You hate to see it. Uh, there, there, there was at least... 15-ish guys right there at T43, it felt like. I know that wasn't actually the case because I think Liss finished T50, but I felt like every guy I had who could potentially have been a top 40 bet all finished there at T43. Unfortunately, lose me some money. Uh, but, yeah, that's you hate to see it. Um, I'm going to move right into winners. Um, I had Jason Day and Luke Liss. Jason Day missed the cut. Luke Liss finished T50. What you have? I had Xander Shoffley again back to back weeks. He finished ninth. I'm I'm gonna take top ten picks. Um, once again, I'm gonna say it every single week. We don't do everybody on Twitter. You pick the top five guys and then three stragglers. We do PGA Tour fantasy rules. I use a guy three times a year, kind of like blue ball or not blue ball, three balls. And then Liam does it one time a year, except for majors uh, yep. and then maybe the tour championship. Um, and then I had Seb Straka who missed the cut. So overall. Um, Positive week for the podcast outside of a couple bets here and there, but that's life. Um, we move on to, and I know I say this pretty much every single time, but one of my favorite events in the year, if you have nothing more, we're at Pebble Beach, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool getting off last, last week's event because, again, I sucked. So well, I, am, I, yeah. am okay I am okay getting off of that. But we are going to yeah. be AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Yeah, and I'll break down a little bit. Um, for anybody that does not know, this is one of the eight signature events um, of the year. This is the second from Century. Um, hot take, we can get into this on another day. I'm not really a fan of the no cut. Um, might just be me, maybe because I'm old, but it is a 90-player field. It's going to drop down to 89 once Terrell Hatton officially withdraws with signing to live for $60 million. Um, Hayden Buckley is the only alternate so far listed in the entire field, so he'll probably take his spot. And then we're going to see a pro-am for two rounds. Uh, normally, this is a change to the, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am this year. It's a three-course rotation between Pebble Beach, Spyglass Hill, and Monterey Peninsula. Monterey will not be in the mix this year. I'm not sure exactly why, but we're going to see a PB in Spyglass Hill on Thursday, Friday, and then a finish in Pebble Beach on Saturday and Sunday. So get ready for some coastal views. Yeah, it's it's gonna play similarly in terms of uh, setup to to the way Tory Pines played last week. You get one round on the alternate course, and then the the other three rounds again, assuming you make. Well, I guess everyone makes cut this week. Yeah, and uh, finally, but, uh, the last multi-course event of the year. Thank gosh. Just he, he, there's no shot link data. There's no anything on Spyglass or the North Course. Just keep it all on one course and make everybody happy. 
Yeah, as as betters and as 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 uh, golf degenerates, I hate seeing these multiple course layouts because it makes it just that much exponentially harder to uh, to to really get good data and pick winners and pick bets and things yeah. like that. Uh, but I understand specifically on this event when they talk about the whole pro am and the fact that you get so many people that will play in it. Um, I understand why they split it up amongst a couple of courses, but I am happy they're only doing two days of it this year. So that'll be nice. A um, couple of highlights about Pebble Beach. I don't have too much here. Um, admittedly, Pebble Beach is Pebble Beach. It's it's a hard course. If to, you uh, don't know Pebble Beach, come on. I mean, they played the U.S. Open here in 2019. Um, Pebble Beach has some of the smallest greens on tour. There are Second exceptions. on average, yeah. Yeah, there are exceptions of courses that are like, intermittently played like every once in a while you'll get a course that's played that's smaller um that's got that's got smaller greens but i'm talking like regular rotation it's either smallest or yes second smallest um on the rotation um outside of tom hoagie the majority of winners in the past decade have either had odds less than 30 to one so they've been huge favorites or greater than 100 to one which would follow the current year's plan of picking 100 plus to one winners. Uh, so don't be afraid if you want to pull the trigger on somebody that's a little uh, little out there this year uh, by any means. Um, again, I don't have too much else. Otherwise, uh, you know, again, not the longest course of all time. It's only 6,900 yards. Approach play is going to be important, you know, and then just, again, a little bit of putting can go a long way here. Yeah, a couple notes. Um, Pebble Beach, just like what you said, some of the small screens on tour, uh, has an average of about 3,500 square feet. Tour average is 5,500. So you're going to see, and unfortunately, and this is a little bit different because they're going to factor U.S. Open data in here, yep. but it does feature some of the lowest green and regulation percentages, making scrambling one of the first times we've seen this year and actually an important metric. Now, with that being said, Thursday and Friday, they're going to make conditions very easy because they want those AMs to kind of pick up pace of play. But weekends when they should theoretically stop watering, um, it could become a really big metric or if the wind picks up. Um, this is the only event in the PGA Tour where there's over a 25-yard difference in the average driving distance. So the average driving distance, because of the dog legs on this course, is 264 yards versus the average of 290 on tour. So there's no advantage to, you know, in some cases, a really big hitter. We're going to see a ton of layups, a ton of position plays. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just going to be a full shot over par, depending on win and course conditions of variance. Yeah. Uh, if the, if somebody decides to get too aggressive, they're going to turn in themselves into Jordan Spieth, like he did last year, where he hit that shot, basically overlooking the edge of the cliff. Um, so there's going to be plenty of layups. It's going to be, you know, hybrids and four and five irons off the tee as opposed to, you know, three woods and drivers all day. Um, so really that's, that's some of the main stuff you're looking into. Any, anything else for you? You have more data on Pebble Beach this week than I do. I love it, man. And then a couple notes about spyglass, even though we'll only see it for one day, if it's windy, it will play more difficult than Pebble Beach because it is partially coastal. Um, when still it's a lot easier um, scoring average traditionally throughout the course of playing this event is actually a half shot over par, even though we can see some of these events go to 18 under par. Um, so it's just, it's going to be a fun course. I mean, I'm it's okay. Let me, let me preface this statement. It's one of the best courses 
on earth. I mean, in, in the reality of it, when you compare it to Pebble, it's night and day. Um, this is still one of the, you know, the trails I want to play for the rest of my life, this Spanish Monterey Pebble, the whole lot. But I, I'm going to have one of my screens dedicated to whole six, seven, and uh, I'm going to have one of mine dedicated to 18 featured group. I love it. This is the event I want to watch. Um, but into DraftKings we go because um, there's a lot to talk about in these top four hitters are dogs. Yeah, you, you got the big four. Uh, everybody's coming out this week. So you got uh, Rory at 11,500, Scotty at 11,400, uh, Hovland at 10,200, and Xander at 10,000 flat. Yeah, it is. You can make your money with any of the four guys here. I mean, there's not one that I'm going to say is better than the other because of this, that, and whatnot. I mean, I could give you statistics. Um, these guys are the categorical big four right now on the PGA tour, you know, Victor Hovland, in my opinion, if you follow us on Twitter at turn dogs pod, um, you would know that he's one of my favorite players this week. I love him. I think he's going to be really good. Um, for those of you who don't know, he finished 13th here at the AT&T prom last year's only start. 12th at the 19 U.S. Open, and he actually won here at the USAM in 2018 with a six in five match play victory. Um, that's ridiculous. I mean, he's been killing it all across the globe. He is just, like I said at the end of last year, he should have been the number one player in the world. I know points in the whole OWGR is a recognition for another conversation, but man, has he got the history here. I want to say in 2019, when when the U.S. Open was here, Hovland might have played that as an amateur, too. I think he was an amateur during the time. It's close. I I think he went official, like, right around that time frame. But he's it's one of those things where he might have been, I think he finished, like, T11 here. And I want to say he was an amateur at the time. But it was, he does have some good history here. Um, That is some, some of the interesting things about these four guys, in my opinion. Um, Rory only ever played this at the U.S. Open in 2019. I want to say he missed the cut. Um, Scott, Scotty, yeah. also, Scotty also played here only in 2019. Also think he missed the cut. Scotty was young, young, though. I, I, again, I agree. And, and, and the point I'm trying to get to is just that these four guys don't usually play this event. Oh, sorry. I lied. Uh, Rory finished T9 at the U.S. Open. Did he? Okay. All right. Maybe I maybe I just had Scotty in my head there twice. Um, but again, the the point being is that these guys don't play this event t- like every year by any means. Um, is that gonna hinder me away from picking them? Absolutely not, because they're the best four golfers probably on tour, or maybe four of the top five. If you get weird about Xander being top four, um, but again, it's 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 really gonna be pick your poison here. Um, I don't hate Scotty. Um, at 11,400, he might be my favorite just because of the fact that you can be a bad putter on the world's smaller screens because there's less likely it's a U3 putter because there's not that much green for you to get to. <laughs> yeah, unless they put some bad pins on like a 17 or something on Pebble. But yeah, these four guys are dogs. I mean, Roy McIlroy has been on a quintessential heater. I mean, he's played five events since the Tour Championship with an average placement of 9.6. So 11,500, I mean, I get that the top four guys, this is an elevated event. I know this isn't a visual podcast. Air quotations here. Reasonable price for all these four guys. Now, with that being said, there is still a $1,500 discrepancy from Rory to Xander. And Xander, who I say is the most consistent player on tour, 
did finish uh, third here at the U.S. Open, which is his last start. Like we kind of mentioned, there's not a ton of data here. But, man, does he have the metrics, third in strokes gain total, approach to green, and number five on putting in smaller greens. Not the biggest of factors, but I think – I know we talk about this. You can do a 9K here, and it's going to look like the big hitters, but I think there's a good chance one of these guys is in the final round Sunday. Yeah, I, th- I think one of these four gives you a good opportunity to win by any means. Uh, I, I'm curious, do you have these four ranked out in your head, or is it just kind of all 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D? I think, and first of all, this is an argument to have. I mean, these yeah. guys are all really good. I think we might see a Rory comeback here this year, and I'm hopeful Ooh. for it. So I think this could be a really good catapulting event, because Rory said, I'm playing events this year a lot more prior to the Masters versus taking time off. I think this is when he one of those events where he gauges his event, even though it has no comp history of the Masters. But I think it's Rory. Hovland, Xander, Scotty for me, but it's not saying that Rory's going to finish 10 shots better than Scotty. It's going to be apples to apples here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like just because we haven't seen Rory in a while, again, that that's such a, um, a a weird like disassociation that I'm trying to put off in my head to probably like convince myself that it's the right way to go about it. But I think I would go I would go Scotty. Oh God, I don't want to do this. Scotty, Rory, Xander, Hovland. God, it feels awful putting Hovland in fourth. I don't I don't like any of it. But if I put Xander in fourth, I'm in the same way. I think I'm gonna stick with that in my head, but it, it's I, I I don't like it, needless to say. That's an, that's the route I'm gonna go with, but I, I like all four guys so much that I'm not a fan of putting one of them fourth in my head because it yeah. makes it seem like they're yeah. not good. The ranking makes it seem like we favor a guy more than the others. It's yeah. not necessarily that. It's just like, it's not like, it's like <laughs> we're picking our favorite kids. You know, you may rank Ron a little lower, but you still love him. <laughs> exactly. That's a good way to describe it. So, all right. We, we, we love all the guys in the 10K range and up. Um, let's get right into the 9K range. Up top, we have Patrick Cantlay all the way down to Ludwig Aberg. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Patrick Cantlay, Thursday and Friday, bet the hell out of him. Friday or Saturday, Sunday, maybe let it slide a little bit. Um, little known fact about Patrick Cantlay here, he does own or co-own the course record at Pebble Beach with a calm 60 frickin' two. So good for him. Um, he has just done tremendous here. History has always proved himself for Patrick Cantlay here. Um, still with an average fantasy point of just under 90 even though he's finished 56, 52, and 12th on the year, um, I think this is an event that he can get it back. I'm not necessarily worried about Patrick Cantlay. I'm not putting an alarm on him by any means. Um, but 9,700 is a little pricey for yeah. me here, Patrick Cantlay. I'm not saying he's bad by any stretch, but um, it's just he hasn't looked good in the weekend. It's just, it's interesting to me. It's because normally it's the other way around. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. He just looks like he's missing that kind of it factor top of, you know, top top end Patrick Cantlay that we expect to see so much. Um, still a great golfer. But again, instead of looking top five in terms of finishes, I feel like now when I look at him, I'm like, I'm like, oh, he's like between 20th and 35th. Like, it's okay but is the fifth most expensive guy, like, I want a little more upside, as bad as that sounds? I like two more guys in this category more than Cantlay, in my opinion. Oh, I'm in the same boat. Who do you like? Yeah. I'm curious. Number one, um, 
and again, overpriced, overpriced, still going to pay for it, Justin Thomas. It is extremely overpriced. He should not, in my opinion, be above anybody in this 9K. He should flip with Ludwig Auberg, in my opinion. But in his last five events, his average placement is 5.4. This guy has looked like the major champion, Justin Thomas. Whatever the heck he did from the time he cheated, tweeted that he's going to the lab, basically. He's finished third, third, fifth, fifth, and twelfth. Guy's on a heater. Guy is one of the best iron players on tour. And I think he is so in it right now that Pebble Beach is just one of those standing stones. And first of all, he's been dying to play this event. He's talked about it a number of times. He was the last guy to get in this field outside of um, now who's getting in for um, Terrell Hatton. But he's the last guy. He was on the cusp for top 30. He's actually number 30, um, 26 adjusted now with a debacle. Um, And then I do like Ludwig Auberg. Ludwig is just one of the most consistent young guys on tour right now. He's actually number 27 adjusted in the OWGR. Um, He's number two in proximity and number four in approach from 150 to 200. Um, A lot of those stats do apply. You don't have to be a giant hitter out here. Like we talked about the average driving distance of about 264 because of those irons and hybrids and whatnot. So I think this guy is a really good shot to surpass that 9K DFS threshold. Yeah, uh, Auberg's definitely gotten more and more interesting as time's gone on for me because I I start to notice the the upside potential with him depending on the course. And I do feel like Pebble Beach probably is a course that could fit him quite well. Although I said that about Amex last week, and he also played well at Amex, and they're not really similar courses at all. But it, I think just the way his game can kind of like mold to the course he's playing at each week is cr- is crazy and gives him that upside that you're looking for. Uh, I'm going to start off with Max Homa um, at 9,200. He's a, He's got T7, T14, and T10 here in his last three starts. He was also on a podcast in the past week. Did you hear what he said on this podcast? Because people were like, oh, Max, do you like going out to the West Coast because you think you got a better chance to win? And he's like, "He's like, my game's so on point right now. I have a chance to win regardless of where we play at. doesn't matter if it's West Coast or not. boy. And I'm like, all right, Max, Jesus Christ, your third leg's hanging a little low there, buddy. But we get the point. All right, you're on it. You're on it right now. So him, him saying that alone basically sits there and tells me, all right, Max Homa's going in the lineup this week. He's feeling confident. Got it. Uh, the other guy I like in this range is Jordan Spieth at 9,400. Um, again, I can rattle off his finishes. He's got T63, second, T3rd, T9th, T45. The reason why I like Jordan Spieth at this kind of an event is because he's played it so much in the past. Um, the Pro-Am won't really affect him at all. Um, it doesn't really, not that it, I guess, generally affects the high-ranking players on tour, but I think a guy who's played this event as much as he has, that this is an event that he's not really going to shrug off on and he's going to continue to give it his all. So I'm a big fan of those those guys. So he plays a ton of those rounds. Yeah. And and again, I think with Jordan Spieth, the, uh, the driver can be a little, a little sporadic sometimes. And so him not having the driver in the hand here and gives him the opportunity to, to really kind of dial in with some of those lower clubs. Um, all right, we just rattled off basically all of the guys in the 9K range except for Morikawa. Um, don't hate it if you go to him this week. Again, 9,100, best iron player on tour. 
Um, it's just he's in a range with so many other good guys that you just have to pick your poison because unfortunately you but he can't scared pick... me last week. Yeah, yeah, you can't pick them all, and he scared uh, Jack and I last week, so we might be a little trigger shy on uh, on Morikawa at 9100. So, all right, into the 8K range. Yes, and it starts off with Sam Burns, the American Sepstraka, all the way down to Byung-hun on or Benny on at 8K flat. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting range for sure. Um, I mean, Jason Day at 8400, who stunk last week, has really good finishes at this event. I have a gut feeling Jack will probably dig a little bit more into that. Um, you have Sam Burns, who, again, we've talked about 100 times, might be first place this week, might be 80th place. We just don't know. We have Cam Young, who, again, same concept, could be first, could be last. Um, again, Hoygaard almost won last week. I think he's an interesting option as well. I'm also okay if you just skip this range altogether. Mm. If you if you can get enough guys on the top end, if you if you can get two 9K, get 9K guys and you have to skip this range, um, I'm okay with it. I do think there's a pretty big uh, cutoff once you get below Ludwig to that kind of next tier of golfers. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting the uh, comments about Jason Day and he said 15 appearances here, 15 for 15 on cuts and nine top 10 finishes. Yep. So he has just been an absolute dog here. Um, goes without saying, but like we talked about and like what Liam just said, ever since his win, he's kind of been teeter tottering on stardom and faldom, um, or seldom, I guess is a better way to say it. So you know, take that with what you wish. I do like two guys here. Um, a little more than anybody else, but I kind of agree. I'm not too hot or on anybody particularly. Um, Hideki Matsuyama has had a slow start. I agree with that. Um, he did build on that T13 last week at Torrey Pines. Um, did finish 21st at the 19 U.S. Open. Um, but he's going to be great around the greens. There's no issue there. And I think if he can control that iron game, which has proven that that's how he separates himself. He's on with the irons. He's going to contend. And if he's off with the irons, he's going to miss the cut. Um, luckily, we don't have to worry about this week with four rounds. So I kind of like that. Um, I do like Ho- Nikolai Hoyard this week. Um, you know, in his last five worldwide starts, his average placement 7.4. Runner up at Torrey Pines. Not, again, the most perfect com course, but it's at least a lot more similar than a lot of people that were bouncing between Hawaii, freaking Dubai, and then coming back to California. Uh, but he, he, in 2024, he is top 10 in a lot of major stats. Um, and I think he's building a lot of confidence off last week. Um, Tom Kim, in theory, should fill this mold like a cookie cutter. But man, has he looked worse and worse and worse every single week I've watched him. So much so that I think he's in a trap spot at 8K on DFS and a lot of bets. And I am fading him like the wind. Yeah, Tom Kim feels like he should fit the metrics of this course. And for whatever reason, I I can't get to him at AK. I actually like the other guy at AK better than Tom Kim. I like Benny Ahn. Um, Benny Benny Ahn's basically played twice. Um, He was fourth at the Century and second at Sony. And that's it. Um, Guy's been playing great so far. He's got tons of points. Um, And again, this is like these shorter courses are not a bad thing for Ben Ahn. So. I don't hate it if you want to get to him in this 8K range, but again, I'm also quite comfortable if you just decide to skip this as a whole. So, yeah. Um, all right, into the 7K range we go. 
Yep, starting out JT Post in 7,900, and then it finalizes with Eric Van Ruyen. Yikes, what an interesting grouping here. Um, I know you're going to dig into them a lot more than, than I will, um, but I'll quickly comment on last week's winner, Matthew Pavan at 7,100. Um, I think he's an extremely uh, valid option if you want to get back to it. I like him over a lot of the other winners that are also in this field so far to start the season. Uh, yes, I'm talking about Nick Dunlap. Um, so that sticks out to me. Um, I'll also talk about Alex Noren, 7,200. Again, this is this is one where he's played well recently. Um, he's got really good putting, which might might be important here. Also might get neutralized. He, he, it's really going to be 50-50 with him. Um, and then the last guy I'm going to talk about is Nick Taylor at 7,200 as well. Um, in his last five starts here, he finished T20, T14, T39 first, and T28. So he's played great here in the past. Um, it's it's not really a name you think about when you think of Pebble Beach, but he seems to play great here for whatever reason. I agree. On a lot of the models, Nick Taylor pops up um, in terms of a lot of strokes gain measures. So I think that's a smart play. One of the guys that I can see a lot of people going for this week is JT Poston. He's having an extremely quiet year featuring three top tens already. Um, and he's actually one of the 10 players this week that are in the top 10 of strokes gained in both um, – under 7,200 yards scoring and strokes gained total. So I think for a short course and a guy that doesn't need to bomb the ball, this could be an event that he really pops off and builds momentum on. Like you had said, um, Matthew Pavon, I think is in a really interesting spot. Um, you know, he's obviously dominated worldwide and done well on a number of tours. He's came off a win 7,100. I mean, this is a really reasonable price for a guy that just won last week. I know we talked about sometimes as winners have a natural hiccup, that guy didn't say he was going to go out partying. That guy didn't say he was going to go do anything, but go eat at a restaurant. So I think this guy is laser focused on genuinely becoming one of the best in the world. And I'm really looking forward to seeing a bounce back week from him. I mean, sorry, I, bounce back week is not the right term. I mean, Matt, Matthew Pavan is 7,100 and Kevin Yu is 7,200. So he's a cheaper price than Kevin Yu. Now, Kevin Yu has finished third and sixth in his last two weeks, and he's quote unquote on a heater. But again, Matthew Vaughn just won. I don't know why he's still that price. Like, I, I figured he was going to get bumped up to like 77, 7,800. So I'm very comfortable with his price at 71. Yeah. And then a couple more guys I like. I mean, first off, the fact that Wyndham Clark is 7,400 is crazy to me. Um, it's not like he's been playing great, but he's not been playing bad. He's still finished top 40, top 30, and top 20 in the majority of his events. Um, Eric Cole, 7,300. That's going to be a gamble for a lot of people in DFS, and that's going to be scary. But, I mean, he's had one hiccup in, like, eight months of golf. I mean, you got to give the guy a break. It's going to happen. And we talked about it, that if Eric Cole was going to have a hiccup, it was going to be at the Farmers and not to bet him, and he had the hiccup. So this may be a week that you want to say, kind of like how sometimes we do, I want to see a week, I want to see four days of golf. And it could be a week where you say, holy crap, Eric Cole, 73 freaking hundred dollars. I got to take the gamble. Um, and the last guy I'll mention quickly, Brian Harmon. I mean, if there's a guy that knows how to play short ball, it's Brian Harmon. And I think if the wind stays down, I think at 7,600, he's worth a huge flyer. Yeah, um, I think I think Harmo is an interesting play there. Um, I'm going to continue to fade Ricky Fowler until he shows me anything of value, by the way. Um, guy has just not had it so far to start the season. 
Um, he could go out and win this week. He could not. I, 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 I don't care. I need to see it from him first, and we just haven't gotten it. I know he's made three of his four cuts. Doesn't matter. He just isn't, isn't, isn't that guy right now. So I'm going to avoid him at 7,400. Um, all right. Anybody else? We're getting into 6K range. Let's jump into the 6K. Bez at 6,900, and then finishing with Peter Malnati, who, gosh, in my opinion, shouldn't be here, but that's <laughs> the way the cookie crumbled with some of these events. You, you talked about Justin Thomas being the last guy to, to get entry into this tournament. I would have put 20 to – nah, I'd, I'd have put $200 that Malnati was going to be the last guy that got entered into this tournament based on based on what, every other name I'm seeing in this field because he just – Well, here's does. the um, – yeah, here's the reason. So to qualify for a signature event, if you weren't aware before, it's the top 50 in the prior standings um, – in the FedEx Cup in 2023 that reached the BMW. You have number one through number 51 through number 60 via FedEx Cup fall performance. You have the Aeon Swing, which is the top five FedEx Cup point earners since the previous signature event, which was the Century. Uh, any a winner from the 2024 season, top 30 in the OWGR, and then five additional sponsored Jemsons. Now it sounds like a lot, um, but you'll realize quickly that a lot of those guys have some overlap. So um, that's the reason why uh, those sponsor exemptions were included. And um, lo and behold, we have some guys here that are questionable, yeah. but they're here. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I have basically two, two and a half, depending on how you look at it. There's, there's one that I'm 50-50 on um, in terms of in this range. I'm going to start off Tom Hoagie, um, I think, is a, is a solid option here at 6,700. Um, again, he's got a T48, a first, a 12th, a T60, and then a miscut five years ago. Um, so I won't look too deeply into that miscut that way back then. Um, but he generally plays pretty good on this kind of a course. Now, in an elevated event, does that mean he's finishing top 20? Not likely. But again, if I can get better, if I can get top half of the field for Tom Hoagie at 6,700, being your last guy in your lineup, um, I don't think that's a bad option. Um, the other guy in this range that I'm a big, big fan of this week is Maverick McNeely at 6,200. Um, his last four finishes here are a withdraw last year, um, a T33, a second, and a T5. So again, he's played well here in the past. Um, Again, the withdrawal was just an injury challenge he had last year, but even when he there were like always... 15 withdrawals last year due to injuries and a ton of weather issues. So yes, if you look at the withdraw, if you look at the leaderboard from last year, there's like 15 withdrawals. It's crazy. Part of the reason there was uh, that many withdrawals too was because the tournament actually finished on a Monday last year because of that weather as well. So there were some guys that were like, ah, I'm T, you know, 65th already. I'm I'm halfway through my last round. I'm just gonna call it withdraw and then uh and then get to the next week of tournament so i think maverick nearly was one of those guys when i looked at the data um, but again he plays pretty well here and then cam davis i don't i don't hate it if you want to get to him um he didn't play great at the mx but prior to that he was t30 at sony t52 at the century um and then last played in the zozo this isn't necessarily the, the the first event you would think of as far as cam davis goes and for for you know good finishes um, but it, again, you're in this range, you're 6,700. It's not, it's not a bad option. Yeah. There's a t only really two guys that I can kind of attach my name to. 
One is Bez. Um, I think he's really consistent, 6,900. Now, again, performance in the past. I mean, you take a look at his recent finishes. They've been kind of teeter-tottering on great and just what the heck happened. But he is actually eighth in the field in strokes gain total at Pebble Beach. Um, the guy, or excuse me, number nine. Um, number eight is the other guy that I want to talk about really quickly is Taylor Moore. Um, ever since his win, he kind of teeter-tottered and then became really, really quiet, even though he's had a couple of good finishes, um, made the cut at the Farmers. I'm pretty sure he was dead last, but still made the cut. Um, he's actually number eight all-time, or in the field, not all-time, in strokes gain at Pebble Beach in the field. Who actually leads it is Maverick McNeely, funny enough. Um, but I think a guy that doesn't need to hit the ball a long way, he's performed fine at 6,400, if I'm getting four rounds, regardless of cut, because I know it doesn't really matter, four rounds with a guy like that, I think I'm willing to take the gamble. Um, Maverick McGilly is a funny one, because even though he's number one in strokes gain, man, he goes questionable with that um, ever since he came back from injury. So I'm a little bit worried. Um, and then in terms of Ben Griffin, um, it depends on the quality of his TikTok for the week and finish result, but you never know. I was just going to ask, because I feel like he's been playing pretty well recently, although, again, he missed the cut at the Farmers. But prior to that, he was playing quite well. And so I was curious if the uh, if he had any updates on his TikTok, if it, if it was popping off or not. Because if it was popping off, I was going to get ready to throw a top 30 bet on him. Yeah. So I don't I don't dislike the TikToks, but, I mean, my goodness, are they repetitive. I get you're going <laughs> to the hotel. I get they have milkshakes. I get you're going to the range. I get it's cool <laughs> to see the inside of it. But yeah. It's like a cookie cutter. It, it, it unfortunately his TikToks take about the first 30 seconds of the cooking cutterness to get to the action, in my opinion. Um, and then the action's about five seconds. So it's, uh, so it's, it's unfortunate, but it happens. So, all right. Um, on that note, let's get right into the DraftKings and FanDuel lineups. What are we looking at this week? Let's start off with DraftKings for me. Um, I did go Xander Shoffley at 10,000 flat. Um, I did go Ludwig back to back. Big hitters for me. I think those guys are two of the more consistent guys in the field. And in terms of price, I'm saving a lot of money by not going to the big dogs right away. I did go Nikolai Hoyard, who I talked about being really good consistent price-wise. JT Poston, who's had tremendous results here and just plays really well. Um, Brian Harmon, I'm playing small ball. And then I'm taking the former winner last week at Matthew Pavan, 7,100. There you go. Um, yeah, you, you have a very interesting lineup there with Ludwig. I'm curious how he's going to do in this event. Um, I'm sure it's going to be just fine. Uh, but you have a little bit of a, you have an interesting mix of international and then Americans. Cause you have Xander posted and Harmon that are the American squad. And then you got Ludwig, Hoyard and uh, Pavan who are the international teams. So just interesting to notice. Um, as far as my DraftKings lineup, I went top heavy, needless to say. Um, I'm starting with Scotty Scheffler, 11,400. Um, second, give me Jordan Spieth at 9,400. Third, give me Max Homa at 9,200. Fourth, give me Matthew Pavan at 7,100. Fifth, give me Tom Hoagie at 6,700. And sixth, give me Maverick McNeely at 6,200. Maverick is scary, but again, 6,200, you're still getting four rounds barring yeah. withdrawal, so... I think I think no cut and has played good in this event in the past is the main reason I'm comfortable going to Maverick. If this was a, you know, standard RSM classic type of course with the cut after two days, I'd probably be a little more gun shy. Um, but again, we're talking elevated event, no cut where he's played good in the past. 
I'm comfortable digging down to 6,200 in order to get those guys up top who have way higher upside. Yep. And then uh, my Fandle, I did go a little bit more top heavy. I did bite the bullet and go Roars at 12,200. I did go Xander Schauffele, 11,600. Same kind of trend. I did pair him up with Ludwig Auberg, 10,600. I did bite it on Hideki, 9,500. Patrick Rogers at 8,000. And then Taylor Moore, 7,400 to round off. There you go. Uh, yeah, big big fan of those top three. The fact you can get Rory and Xander in that top three was crazy. Um, that is that is the pipe dream there on FanDuel, um, that you can get two of those top four. It just doesn't always make sense logistically, depending on what you want farther down the board. No. Um, for my FanDuel, again, it's it's gonna it's quite similar to my to my DraftKings. Really, it's almost all the same names except for one. Um, I've got Scotty Scheffler, 12,100, Jordan Spieth, 11,400, Max Homa, 11,100, Nick Taylor at 9,000, Tom Hoagie at 8,500, and Maverick McNeely at 7,900. Yes, you're kind of riding on a lot of the same guys there um, in terms of Maverick McNeely and Tom Hoagie rounded on your lineup. But again, it's a little bit different because of the no cut event. You're still getting four rounds barring an injury. And those guys have definitely proven that course history in the past is definitely something to note. It, admittedly, I, it's a little worrisome, but if you look at my last five weeks of, of, D, of DFS in terms of uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, I've had better luck on the bottoms of my lineups making cuts and performing better than I have guys at the top of the my lineups. So really, I as much as I'm worried about Hoagie McNeely, Spieth is a little scary because he might dud this week as so well. So in your perfect lineup, you take my top three guys, <laughs> Liam's bottom three guys, and you pair pretty, them up together. Pr- pretty much, because again, Spieth and Homa have the ability to both both win and finish top three. The, those guys occasionally, once every like seven or eight weeks, will come out here and just miss a cut or finish like T75 and just not come firing so it's it's a little worrisome but but again it's an upside of play that i'm willing to take on a small field where all guys are playing four days all right into the bets we go let's do it um i have seven bets this week um i feel really confident about a lot of these um again you can go over on twitter and find out a lot of the reasoning behind these bets and some more that we'll get at turn dogs golf um you can type that in turn dogs golf pod some of them are turn dogs pod um, just go ahead and find that out on your own Twitter's Turn Dogs Pod to plug it. Um, first off, I did bite Rory McIlroy top ten. Um, I don't traditionally do a lot of top ten picks because I think there's a lot of volatility there. But I mean, Rory McIlroy has just looked absolutely dominant the entire year so far in the five starts that he's had since the Tour Championship. My goodness, I mean, like I said earlier, I think this is going to be a Rory McIlroy year. Uh, Xander Shoffley top twenty minus one fifty. Um, Xander Shoffley, again, I'll say it every single time, arguably the most consistent player on tour, and I'm going to take those numbers all day. Ludwig Auberg, top 30, minus 188, just really consistent from tee to green. You don't need to be a bomber this week, and I think that could really come into play with that approach. Nikolai Hoyard, top 30, minus 120. Um, probably a little bit lower of odds than I might like. I kind of wanted to look at top 40 odds, but, I mean, unless you're betting Peter Malnati, top 40 was not something you looked at on DraftKings at all. Um, but he's consistent all around. Hideki Matsuyama type or top 30 is minus 130. Um, I think, like I said, 10, 15 minutes ago, if his irons are good, he'll be fine. It's just about whether he puts that in play. 
Um, Hovland top 20 is minus 175. Again, I talked about the performance that he's had in the path and winning the USAM here. I think it's just one of those things that you don't shy away from. And then Justin Thomas just kind of riding the heater, man. He looks really good at top 20 at plus 105. Yeah, you've got you've got some interesting ones in there for sure. Um, again, I like the Xander top 20. I feel like you could put Xander top 20 most weeks, and I feel like you would end up winning winning money on the end, on the back end of that just the way the guy plays. Um, don't don't dislike the JT top 20 either. Um, I think those are those are both solid plays. Uh, Hoy, Hoyard scares me a little bit. Not gonna lie, that that T30. I know he's minus 120. Yeah. Uh, but it, again, top 40 would have been amazing if you could have gotten those for him but again just yeah didn't work out. it's just the odds were ridiculous but i do think that the runner up last week not a ton of travel i think he's feeling confident and i think he wants to build off that and 30 was a good number to take i'm taking the risk yeah uh, for my bets this week i'm doing four um i have one that you could argue probably shouldn't even be allowed but i'm doing it just to see a nice win to start the week um i'm gonna do max homa top 30 at minus 250 um, again, I know I know it's a big favorite. Um, I promise you, the rest of my three bets are not big favorites like that. Uh, but I'd I'd like to see a nice W, and I feel quite confident that Max Homa can do that to get the job done. Um, my second bet is actually Nick Taylor top 30 at plus 100. Uh, my third bet is Jason Day over Sam Burns at plus 100. Again, I I feel confident betting against Sam Burns most weeks. So I'm quite comfortable with that. Um, and then my last bet is kind of a flyer. I'm doing Maverick McNeely top 30 at plus 160. That is great. I was just curious. I went on DraftKings to check the odds for top 40, and I clicked on top 30. And instead of my Hideki top 30 minus 130 pick, he's plus 100 on DraftKings. So screw that. I just changed my bet and um, lay it down. So go get your better odds if you're listening right now. But the first guy that is even money on DraftKings is Mackenzie Hughes. So we're down there in the dirt. I mean, not disrespect to Mackenzie Hughes by any means, but I mean, Peter Malnati defended is plus 190. So he's the bottom guy in the barrel here. I'm curious if I can get uh, Maverick McNeely for plus money top 40. Probably. Maverick McNeely top 40 is dead even plus 100. All right, I'm going to swap to that. Sorry, guys, last-minute change for me. I'm going to go Maverick McNeely, top 40, plus 100. Um, I, I like that a little better. All right, we're going we're gonna to go that route then. Okay, so those are my four bets. You change to Decky to also be plus 100. Um, all right, we going winners or wildcard picks? Um, Let's go wild. Let's go wild. All right. Uh, I'll start. Uh, my wildcard pick is Kevin Yu, top 20 at plus 220. Again, on the proverbial heater, um, finished T3 or T6 and T3 in his last two starts. I'm not picking him to win or do anything crazy, but again, I want to keep an eye on him because he's been playing so well recently. So, top 20 plus 220 is my bet for him. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit more questionable play, but I'm here for it. So, let me kind of break it down. So, the original one I had was Nikolai Hoyard, top 10 at plus 360. I did scratch that. Um, I haven't updated it in our doc yet. Um, but the bet I'm going to do is a top 20 finish parlay. And it is Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, and Victor Hovland at plus 200. Ooh, okay. There you go. So you're basically taking really the, the, the three big dogs um, to all finish top 20. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Enough said. I really like it. I'm, I put a, a 
a lot more money than I should have um, on a wild card pick, but it was also a free bonus bet. So um, I like it. And then DraftKings also boosted Hovland's winnings. Uh, well, I guess I might as well get right into my winnings here. Um, winner's pick. Uh, it is Victor Hovland for me. Um, I did kind of bypass Xander Shoffley for three weeks in a row. Um, I did skip that. And I really wanted to go Rory. Um, couldn't bite it. Um, I did go Victor Hovland. Right now he's at 12 to 1 as best as I could find. But again, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll see a lot of those odds change. We record this on Monday evening. Um, and a lot of the big odds come out on Tuesday. Um, even though a lot of them are coming out now just because it is a limited field with no Monday quals. Um, and then I do have... Um, a split on my lower tier guy is Brian Harmon. Um, I almost, funny enough, thought of putting a guy um, in terms of the odds. I was going to do like a, uh, who was I going to, uh, what's his name? Tom Kim, because he's technically like the 35th guy. But yep. I think Brian Harmon, he's had those stats. I think he already has two or three top tens. I think if this plays into small ball, I think he can really finish at that 14 under mark, which on a majority of the Pebble Beaches um, finish is going to get you on that final page of the leaderboard. Yeah, um, uh, again, I don't hate the Harmon pick this week with the, with the small ball. This is the kind of course that he could do well on. Um, for my winner's picks, I pick guys that have really played here well in the past. Um, give me, give me Jordan Spieth, the dad, um, with the dad's strength and then give me Nick Taylor. So those are going to be my two winners picks this week. Um, I'm just betting on these guys because again, they, they play here consistently. So I think they're going to be in uh, good form comparatively speaking to guys that don't play this course that often. Yeah, I agree. I think the Jordan Spieth one is going to be the fan favorite. I think everybody's going to be rooting for him. Um, that that will be the popular one. Um, when I was doing a little bit of digging, I saw a lot of other people that were also like, I'm picking Jordan Speed as my winner this week. And I was like, do I switch it up and do something different or do I kind of and I was like, I still like him. I'm going to follow. Along. Right. I, I, yeah. Like, I don't care if everybody else takes him too. Um, you know, so, sometimes you just have to to tag along with the crowd in order to have everybody win as opposed to try and be different. And then you end up miles behind it when he does. But well. it's also Jordan Spieth. I think the world wants to see Jordan Spieth succeed. That is true as well. So, all right. Um, that is it for the, uh, the AT&T pro M we're going next week to waste management. Oh, this is going to be King is already set up. Um, there's only people that are going to be added. I believe is a winner here. If they weren't previously included in signature events, so you can already see the field list for that. Um, one note that I do want to say about this week, there's a lot of controversy. Everybody's getting mad on Twitter with Liv and the whole argument, whatnot. This is a week. It's pebble frickin' beach. If you're just watching, just try to enjoy it. This is one of the most scenic, relaxing events of the entire year. I don't want anybody kind of bypass what we're seeing here. I think everybody's kind of getting complacent in their ways, regardless of what it is in the world. So let's all take a step back and enjoy pebble beach. And if you didn't already, two things to go watch. Go watch Nelly Corda and Lydia Ko, uh, because in the last 30 minutes of that day was the craziest LPGA finish, arguably, of the year, in my opinion. And then also, go watch Perfection at Pebble, featuring my man Tiger Woods, um, who beat the field by 15 strokes. Go watch that. Go watch that. Greatest showing in golf history. There you go. Uh, Jack said it, so we, we'll leave it on that note. Um, again, next week we're going to the Waste Management then football's over too. Then we get even more more notice into the golf scene. 
Um, things are going to start really kind of ramping up here quickly once we get into Waste Management and Genesis. I feel like like these first four or five events for me are always a little funky because I feel like it, like the season started, but it's still kind of ramping up. People are still kind of getting into it. Football is dying down with the playoffs. But once the Genesis comes around, it's it's I feel like it's guns a blazing and and everybody starts coming out. You start to see Tiger a little more too, so it's uh it, it's hasn't it's committed be, yet hasn't committed yet he, he hasn't but there's there's a chance you know I, the the dream will be in like four years once Charlie and Tiger are playing in that event that'd be crazy I know it won't be four years because Charlie's still like thirteen but you never know sponsor exemptions. Oh, that's so true. Could you imagine Charlie Woods as a sponsor exemption of that event at like 18 years old? Oh, that'd yeah, be crazy. Be, uh, let me think about this. Dead last. I mean, yeah, but he put like oh, the first day pairing with his dad, too. Come on. Hey, man. listen, listen. It would be awesome. The only time they're going to do that is probably the Genesis because it's a Tiger event. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's been some guys like, first of all, Nick Dunlap, 20 winner. Jordan yep. Spieth won when he was 19. Jordan Spieth was making cuts at 16 at the Byron Nelson. So crazier things have happened. Look, all I'm saying is it would be it would be a fun story to tell. Um, all right, we'll, we'll we'll leave you there. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We're, we'll we'll talk about waste management and Genesis in the coming weeks. Um, everybody, go out there, win some nice money this week at the Pebble Beach. Enjoy the views. Be jealous of the fact that we won't have that level of weather wherever we're at in the world because it's California. We don't have that luxury. And we will see you guys next week. Deuces. Deuces.